list your your top four taco toppings right now. So it's the it's the filling. Uh, well, actually, yeah, it's filling the cheese. I love me some lettuce, and you know, I think I'd I'd give the edge to sour cream over salsa for top four. Wow, that's shocking. Sour yeah. cream actually makes the top four on a taco. Shocking. Yeah. yeah. That's the biggest news that's actually hit today. <laughs> Don't put this in the recording, though. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, people are going to be pretty pissed. There's <laughs> a lot of fans. Sour cream? These guys? Sour cream? Come on now. Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota. We're going to be talking soccer, talking life, playing games, playing mind games. We got a little something for you. That's right, Max, for you Aww. and for all of you. This episode is brought to you today by Cool Balance Attire, the office clothing store to cool you down. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram at Footy Fellas Pod, F-O-O-T-Y Fellas Pod on Instagram. We're going to be talking a little MLS today as well as some other things. Now that we're about two games deep into the tournament for pretty much every team, and I personally have been really enjoying hearing the mic'd up action. I know some other leagues have thrown some crowd noise on there to make it feel more realistic and to boost the energy, but the MLS in not doing that and more so giving you the communication that the players are having on the field and with each other, I've actually really enjoyed that so far. 100% 100% agree. I see. Are you, are you hearing, are you listening to your games or are you just kind of putting them on in the background? Yeah, I think I'm going to differ with you boys. I don't like it. I think it's just too quiet. Um, maybe I don't have the TV on loud enough, but I like, I like the crowd noise personally. I, I like the crowd noise too, but I, I also agree. It's, um, it's always, it's so interesting to hear what they're saying when, when you can hear it. Um, and, and right now it's amplified. Um, you know, much more than we, we ever would. And it makes me appreciate, especially with the MLS is back. Like we, we there's so much we can talk about it. Um, uh, but I, like one facet that I love absolutely is the fact you can hear them. Um, and it, it almost makes these games feel much more competitive and intimate um, than they, than they were previously. It almost felt like if I were watching MLS like last year or in the previous years um, that it felt a little, um, uh, you know, going through the motions, a little just somewhat performative. I guess it depends on your club. Chicago Fire is nothing inspiring. But they're, the games that I've been watching a lot recently, all of them seem to have really, you know, interesting just dynamics and pace and grit, um, really personal kind of vibes that I I haven't really associated with the MLS in a while. So I, I'm, I love it. There's a lot, lot of action. What, what do you think you both would prefer as a player on the field if there were no fans, not that we were ever playing in front of 10K, 5K, 1K plus fans, would you prefer crowd noise being pumped in or just hearing clear communication? Yeah, personally, um, if there were no actual fans in the stadium, I, yeah, I just prefer clear just communication. I wouldn't want this extra, extra noise being pumped in. I think that would be kind of obnoxious 
and just honestly distracting. I, I agree. I agree. I wouldn't want it pumped in or, or anything, but um, especially if it's artificial and like someone's controlling yeah. buttons and, and moving things like that doesn't uh, like there's, it's kind of a black or white, like it's either actual fans or, or don't do anything at all like that. Yeah. Um, that's that said, um, I mean, clearly like, like how, how much this game, like you miss fans so much more now, at least I, I'm getting to a point where I'm, you know, there was I, not MLS related, but the FA cup games that have been played. It's usually a hugely emotional game. Semifinals, you know, it's Wembley, you know, it's, it's the prestigious domestic cup in England. And you just have this wide, just open stadium with like no one in the stands. You, you lose the whole pageantry of it. You lose all of that. So as a player, I, I, that stuff is going to be so rejuvenating when, once you get fans back in the, in, into these buildings um, or when you can get play back going. And I'm curious to, to hear, we've been getting some takes from some of the MLS guys actually playing in the tournament on our, on our Instagram. So check those out if you haven't yet. And we will likely ask them at some point what it's like. How does it feel playing without fans? Which do they prefer? Because I'm curious to hear now that we've thought about it a little bit. And I think personally, I would take one fan at a college game over none. And it would be my econ professor, who was one of the team uh, parents, basically, and just an amazing supporter, Professor Jensen. And she was a huge soccer fan and was always shouting vocally, supporting us as a team. And I think that would be the ideal scenario. If we could have no fans, we'd just be having one fan so they are not in any sort of risk with other fans mm. but just having one fan one super fan one super fan thank there you, you. Go. there you go one super fan equals 5000 i think that's the fair ratio that is that the econ equivalent i mean yeah it's simple micro stuff but i don't know if you'd <laughs> appreciate that um if we're talking about the fandom inverse theory quotient, that would be yes. correct the yes. quotient right but the problem is once you get into the macro view of things mm-hmm. and you start thinking about the yep. the yep. visitor right sound pollution effect totally same same way but like yep keep going it's it somewhat combats that first theory right no 100 percent. it almost contradicts it contradicts in, in, it in some right inherently in principle yeah i see you wrote a thesis on this can you um walk us through some of the logic yeah, so the you know with the sound wavelengths, they the two opposing sides of the stadium, they bounce off each other, they cancel each other out. So it actually turns out to be uh, uh, silent. Um, it's quite this scientific feat of, of kind of magical. It's kind of it's quite amazing, and you know it's 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 hard to explain. There's so much math involved, you know. It um, you guys get the idea. Oh, we get it. You started especially with the end of your definition there which was very helpful and illuminating you started to kind of get into the effect there a bit mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well that's what now we that we're just talking theory common common terminology here the boyoing effect the effect where it's like it's that critical mass where you or, or the point of diminishing returns where you have a, a certain amount of fans but they cancel each other out yep. so you can't have that magic number and every stadium has that number where if you reach that many it's dead silent yep because they're canceling each other out yep you get well one side of the stadium with the boyo, the other with the yo-yo, uh-huh. and then together it's the boyo yo-yo, yo-yo-ing. 
exactly theory which it the fun fact about the boyo yong theory is you can't even hear it so you know you you talk about how it's like this noise effect but it's the fact that it's the absence of noise is the product yeah einstein compared that to the black hole theory (laughs) and you know all the the work that he spent trying to figure out what a black hole is and explain it to the world the boyo yong effect is (laughs) yeah it, it causes the thinkers to think. If you learn that, that's just something new. Add to your vocabulary, add mm-hmm. to your, your mm-hmm. knowledge base if you listen to nothing else. And I know we'll, we'll get into MLS's back tournament for real in a bit uh, and discuss what's happened so far and some of the other interesting thoughts and, and things we've seen. But first, going to head into some last week today thoughts. Quick roundup of what happened within the last week. Starting in the EPL, we continue to see a pretty close race near the top of the table. Chelsea, Leicester, Man U at this point fighting for those third and fourth spots that would mean a spot in the Champions League next season. Chelsea is currently in third, Leicester's in fourth, Man U's in fifth, but both Chelsea and Man U have an extra game to play, whereas Leicester has already played 37 games and only has one game left in their season. So very tight, especially with Leicester playing Man U in the last game of the season, which is going to be pretty awesome and intense. So excited about that. Tottenham has also made a pretty impressive push, uh, winning their game handedly today, 3-0, as well as winning a couple of games the last few weeks to push them into that sixth slot that would mean a spot in the Europa League competition next year. The MLS, which we'll get into more later on, uh, we've seen a couple of underdogs kind of rise to the top of their groups. Portland in Group D has won their first two games and is now definitely in the next stage into the quarterfinals of the tournament. Columbus, not necessarily an underdog, but another team that perhaps flew under the radar. They've also won both of their games. And Orlando City and Philadelphia are the other two teams that remain undefeated in winning both their games. Chicago and Minnesota, our teams, have also performed pretty well so far and look to have a real shot at the next stage of the tournament. So excited about all of that. And then lastly, the Challenge Cup, the NWSL's tournament. More underdogs, more upsets moving on to the semifinals with the North Carolina Courage getting knocked out in the first round in, uh, not in penalties, excuse me, but to the Portland Thorns. So the one versus eight seed, one goes down, pretty exciting. And then also, again, our Chicago Red Stars going through on penalties to the semis. So we're excited to watch that game coming up as well. Woo! A lot going on. A lot going on in the world of soccer from nothing to multiple competitions being back. And it's exciting and sometimes tough to keep up with it all. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm loving this. Uh, it's, it's nonstop. I'm almost wondering if we should, you know, make some of this uh, a new norm where uh, we have just continuous games going out every day of the week. Right. Like it's, it's been nonstop. You almost have something to watch every day. That's going to be competitive. It's going to be interesting. Um, um, I, I'm, I don't even know what I'm going to do when champions league get comes into the picture. Oh, explode. Right. I'm so excited. You have to wonder if it's tough on the players though. It's very consistent games, short, short time periods. And, and I mean, they can't right? like they're all in their bubbles, right? Like they're not living normal lives right now. They are, Right. literally being kept in a box and put out on a stage to perform and then go back to their box. It's definitely um, dehumanizing in some ways, but um, I agree. I agree. As long as like literally, as long as they are safe 
and healthy and, and enjoy it, um, that, that would be ideal. Otherwise I, you know, what's the point of playing the sport if it, you know, teams are going to force you to do things you really don't want to do. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about with the lack of fans in games, you know, specifically for the MLS's back tournament, you get, you get really a good sense and feel for, um, kind of at that player level, the individual level, what, what it's like on the pitch. And, you know, I've, I've really realized in the, in the two Minnesota United games I watched how aggressive the MLS is. Man, these guys are really going they – go they go real hard. I mean, obviously, they're working – they're busting their tails off the full game, but it's pretty aggressive too, you know. Tackles, they, they, no one lets up on tackles. Um, and, you know, to your point, Eli, I'm, I would assume there are going to be lots of bruises and, and sores uh, after every game and to have so many back-to-back-to-back. I think it's gonna it's gonna definitely have a toll on the players. We've seen a lot of cramping, seen a lot of especially smaller injury stuff, and obviously a couple of players, none that come to mind at the moment, but suffering more serious injuries. And just like any other sport, when you have less time to prepare and are playing more in a smaller amount of time, the injury risk goes up inevitably. Yep. The That's the the intimacy aspect that you know uh, where you're hearing all of these collisions, all of the Ooh, yeah. you know physical battles and it becomes much more um, personal it it, it I, I feel like the mls again that i'm used to from the past couple of years is guys it feels like guys going through the motions you know um turning you know goals go every every once in a while but now it really does feel like you're very much there you're almost on the field in some ways and you can appreciate just how athletic some of these folk are and when they're you know, flying and doing the things that they're doing at the intense speeds. Um, it's, it's, I, I just have so much more appreciation for, for these guys. I do also think maybe just because I haven't focused on the MLS recently, a lot of me, me, me today, but the, I think the, the quality of the MLS is definitely like starting to pick up a little bit. There's, there are some teams and we can, you know, we'll, we'll dissect a little bit further, but there are some teams who have some very talented, skilled players, putting plays and passes and movements together um, that is very, very high quality, very, very high quality um, and is encouraging. Uh, I'm, I'm almost excited not only just to be having these games, but I think to myself, Oh, like I'm excited for this league, you know, when it comes back in full bloom, you know, next year, fingers yeah. crossed. And then yeah, and selfishly in the national team, let's, let's represent on the, at the world cup or, a stage like that, I get, I get, I get jittery. I get uh, excited jitters for that. Love that. Let's head to a quick ad read. Thank our first sponsor before we head into more dissecting of the MLS's back tournament and giving you some added details and thoughts you might not have thought about yet. Be right back. Hey, uh, Terry, I like your new blue light filtering glasses. Mine work great, and my eyes aren't sore after work anymore. But hey, uh, Terry, I need to warn you about something. Now that you have these awesome glasses, people in the office are going to be intimidated because you look so cool and hip. Is this a conversation you've had with your colleague before? Nice. You must be cool. However, because you're so cool, complaints can come rolling in from jealous coworkers. Cool Balance Attire is here to help. Tone down the coolness with an in-office bucket hat. We have all the colors to match any outfit. The complaints will soon stop, and your coworkers will finally be okay hanging out with you again. 
Use promo code I get buckets to get yours today. So is this a bucket? Is this strictly bucket hats or do they do other? Oh, Jones, yeah, Jones, why are you so, you're thinking too small, man. Dude, cool balance attire has <laughs> it all. This is just an ad for bucket hats. It's a new, you know, they just launched it. They're really hyped about it. It's, it's, <laughs> the sales are exploding. They're flying off the shelves. Jones is actually wearing a bucket hat, bucket hat right now, but I don't think it's cool balance attire. What do you say to that, I see? You know, it, it's unfortunate that you're not wearing a cool balance attire hat. You you are too cool, Jones. I think people at work haven't told you yet, but you you are too cool. They don't want to say it because they're intimidated by you. Just get the in-office bucket hat from Cool Balance Attire. Now, Then you can finally fit in with your coworkers. There's a... I don't, I don't know what it is. There's something, there's like a deep passion I'm getting from it. I'm it's getting, like a personal touch. Right. So like you're, yeah, there's something beyond uh, just us reading the ad here. The, do you, do you, are you like a big bucket head guy? What, what is, what's, I can't, I'm trying to pull out why. Look, like, guys, are you invested? Guys, are you? It's personal, all right? I rock blue light filtering computer glasses, all right? And they're so freaking cool. <laughs> they're too cool. For school, one might say, or, you know, for really for work, one might say. So I needed a bucket hat. And who could I turn to reliably? How could I find this company? Who cares? <laughs> All right. I got a mailer. Cool balance attire. They're local to every city in the country. All right. You just don't hear about them much because they lie low. So that's the opposite of local, just to be clear. Whoa, whoa, They're literally whoa, everywhere. To every city. Yeah, come on. It's a play on. You just got to roll with it, dude. They, look, they're... Yeah, that's genius. Look, their branding, their commercials, how they phrase things, it's brilliant. It's, it, it's genius. Icy's pitch, if you are looking for a way to stay less cool, then check out Cool Balance Attire. Myself, I'll probably be sticking with New Balance attire, the same shoes I've had for about ten years. New Balance doesn't pay us, so let's yeah, we'll just sorry we'll, about we'll that. Bleep, we'll, bleep, we'll bleep that out. I'll just delete that, and I'll take off my shoes. New Balance hat, just burn them. New Balance underwear, New Balance shirt. What was the denim New Balance underwear? Ooh, yeah, it's new. What of it? I think that's kind of cool. All right, might need to offset that with some Cool Balance. There it is. There's the final pitch. Maybe a collab. Maybe mm-hmm. a collab. Maybe we propose them a collab. Mm-hmm. New Balance, Cool Balance. Mm-hmm. Then it's just Newell Balance. <laughs> That's actually kind of sick. I think we just just drop footy fellas. Let's move. <laughs> Let's get in the merch scene. Moving to merch. Moving to merch. We're going to move into the MLS is back. And we did have the opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, to connect with a couple of the players and ask them both how they're feeling what emotions they're feeling as they got to Orlando and entered the bubble and also ask them their thoughts on the uh, display of unity before the first game with many players for eight minutes and 46 seconds, both playing in that particular game and part of the black players for change group uh, on the field in their, their display of unity against racism. Wanted to play a couple of those quick clips just to let you know kind of what headspace there and what mindset the players have heading into this. And then we'll give our thoughts on what we've seen so far and what we think the tournament is really doing for the MLS. First, we're going to hear from Eric Zavaleta, a defender for Toronto FC. 
It's been a crazy uh, wide range of emotions, really. I mean, we were one of the teams who have delayed and delayed as much as possible just to sort of understand what was going on here and, and how many cases were happening and, and how safe the bubble really was from the outside. We got here, we were one of the last teams to arrive, and you know, I think that anxiousness sort of goes away a little bit when you're here. I think we have a real trust and belief in our team that we're going to do the right things and, and keep each other safe and, and have a bubble within a bubble. Those emotions have quickly become excitement and uh, getting ready for what is our first game. This was a sentiment shared by a lot of the players, both nerves and excitement, heading into the tournament. Next, want to share a quick clip from Nick Lima on the importance of the MLS being the only sport in the spotlight right now. We're all excited. It's an opportunity to get back on the field and be in front of, I think, a bigger fan base with the lack of sports going on uh, parallel to us and in the world. So it's a good opportunity for the MLS as well as individual players and teams. Lastly, I want to share a quick clip from Chris Duvall on the Portland Timbers speaking to the meaningful attention and voice that the MLS and specific groups within the MLS has brought to the conversations on racism and social justice. Being a part of that display before the first game was was everything for me and and a lot of the black players in this league because you know it's a moment that we've we've been kind of waiting for our whole lives. You know we experience racism every day in America, whether it's overt racism or somewhat hidden. Um, but we feel it, and we feel helpless, and, and sometimes we feel like no one will listen if we tell them about it. We look into the history books and, and into the past and see the civil rights movement and say, wow, that was something special, you know, and, and now it's it finally seems like the time when we have your ear. We have a platform. We have an opportunity to do something special and, and, and make a new movement and make some significant change in this country. Appreciated hearing from each of those three guys speaking to a little bit of different parts about how they feel just being back and what the experience is like actually playing in that bubble. And we did talk a bit already about the experience watching where we're hearing a lot of communication. We're hearing uh, and seeing a lot of physical play. You see the energy, the emotion put into it from the players, especially without that kind of cover of crowd noise and focus being directly put on that one game happening at any given time. What do you guys make of the emotions players might be feeling, the nerves and excitement, or the impact the MLS is having on their brand and potentially their brand in the future being the only sport back right now in the U.S.? I think it's going to be do do really good things for the growth of the MLS as it is the only league back in the United States playing right now. Um, I think that's good. I think it deserves spotlight. I think it's been kind of cast aside for, for it, you know, its existence. I feel like NBA, NFL, MLB, even NHL kind of overpowered the MLS, especially on TV airtime. So I think this is great. I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great for the MLS league. Um, I know that I was watching a game watching the Minnesota United game and, and one of the, the color commentator had mentioned uh, of course I, I don't remember the name but there's a player who's really becoming like he's a standout so far in this tournament and he was a bench player up until up until this tournament because you know I think he there were maybe some more veteran players uh, in the lineup who were starting above him 
But due to you know the situation that we're in, he's on the pitch, and now people are you know a lot of people are saying get him on the national team. So you know besides the brand or besides you know the league getting growing in popularity or at least growing its its reach um, during this time as kind of the sole sport on TV. I think it's really great for the players, especially these guys who normally don't get a lot of time on the, on the field. I think now they're seeing potentially more time and, you know, some of these guys are really making the most of it. So I think it's great all around. Growth is great. Um, uh, being able to, um, being able to, to, to focus on these games is kind of the biggest piece. I think it, it's, it is like most sports in our lives in some ways can be uh, just a peripheral piece. Um, something you put on in the background uh, oh, there's a game on cool. You know, I'll put that on while I surf my phone. I'm looking at my phone. Um, but now because, um, you know, it's so unique, not only in that it's one of the only things going on, um, but um, uh, it's one of the only things going on, period. You know, it's not like just compete. It's not just competing with other sports, um, but it's also competing with other summer activities that you're usually doing. You're usually off going on a trip, uh, you know, to this or some festival or some crowd oriented thing that now most people are stuck inside and TV is a little bit more, I would assume of an outlet than it was prior. Um, so it's, it's kind of got this doubling effect, um, that, you know, to, to have airtime right now, um, is, is way more impactful than it's been, um, in years prior. A lot of the storylines that are normally built into a season and weave their way throughout a season, big match coming up three weeks from now, you know, El Clasico or El Trafico for the, in the MLS, or this one player is finally going to play against his old club. Something about the geographic breakdown of this tournament and how teams were grouped into their, their groups, at least their starting groups. We'll see who they play once they make the, the quarterfinals and move on, but you have so many of those storylines built into basically each of the first three games they're going to play. And the LAFC and LA Galaxy game the other night, yes, LAFC destroyed them. And so the game itself, after a certain point, when they were up by two goals, three goals, four goals, it wasn't as tight. But every game, there's such a excitement around it to what you said, Jones. Nothing else is going on, but also just the storylines between the two teams and the way that the groups are structured and we've had a lot of back and forth games. It started off slow with not too many goals, but then we've seen we saw San Jose come back four three in a pretty you know pretty massive comeback after being down three run three one. We saw uh, DC United come back against Toronto to, to snag a point, which if they can win their last game could put them through. A lot of other back and forth games and just the unpredictability paired with the storylines themselves have made for some pretty entertaining football some pretty entertaining tv for the mls so far right like regardless regardless of scenario regardless of you know uh whether or not it was in the spotlight uh completely agree and i don't know if it's like partly um we're just desperate and hungry and we'll take any kind of plot line but um it it does you know it it, it is all that more compelling when it has this backdrop of like a dystopian future where you know they're playing in these isolated domes and so you know it's they they have their own back and forth uh, drama, but but it's also done in like a bubble, so you can really like watch this these these uh, emotions kind of unfurl um, in such a distant, separate like like petri dish. Um, uh, not equating athletes to 
science projects. Yeah. <laughs> like Just to be clear. <laughs> uh, I don't condone that. Um, uh, but, but uh, agreed. And, 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 Look at, I mean, just look at the score lines, guys. Like three to three, two to two, six to two, four to three, four to three, three to two. I mean, these these are great, great, entertaining games um, and meaningful games. They, I came in with low expectations, very low expectations, and, and so far, I, I'm so pumped for any like today. We got the Chicago Fire playing uh, Vancouver tonight. Or San Jose. San Jose, sorry. Um, which I am so hyped to watch. And Icy, uh, I didn't, I haven't been keeping track with Minnesota. So now I'm going to look up this guy. And I, I don't know about you guys, but have you also like been like hearing new names and seeing new faces and thinking, whoa, who is this guy? Suddenly I really care about about these guys. Uh, personally, watching Inter-Miami, I love Morgan. I, I didn't even, I have to still like do my research on him. But Winger, uh, I mean, dude was on fire. Very big fan. They lost, but he looked great. That was my takeaway. Pizarro is also dope. He looked great. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of old faces, too. You get the young, newer guys that are getting opportunities, like you said, I see, that wouldn't otherwise get. And then you have the legends of the game that are that are still around and still performing, like Nani on Orlando City, who, who put in a big goal earlier in the tournament, um, and Michael Bradley, and just scrolling through the teams, trying to thank Bradley Wright Phillips on LAFC at this point. So a lot of household names as well, still making a name for themselves over and over. Mm-hmm. I'm learning stuff about the Minnesota United team all the time. I know I'm really, really talking about them, but they've been the only team or the two games I've watched, it was them play. So, so they're, they're top of mind, but you know, they just have a different style of, of play than I'm used to, but it's interesting to watch and see them execute. They got, they got a big win first night. He, you know, got a tie, which was, I think, probably the lowest scoring game of the tournament so far, 0-0. Um, but, you know, they, I guess they have the lowest possession of any team in the tournament, about 38%, which, you know, I, it's just all counterattack. So it's, you just got to be ready. And when the opportunity presents itself, they, they strike very quick counter. So it's kind of exciting in that, in that way for their style. What do you guys think about the five sub rule that has been implemented in the MLS and in other leagues around the world and how that's played out so far? I mean, it's, it's changing tactics. It's, it's completely shifting what a, what a, what a team, how a team operates. You know, you're not direct, you're not asking guys to, to carry an obscene workload um, anymore. And uh, very quickly, uh, I mean, you know, adjusting one to two guys on the field has a decent impact. You put on someone with a little more pace out wide and suddenly you can open the field up a little bit more and get in behind on a, on a defense. Um, but if you put in like a whole shift, you put in five guys, uh, that's a completely different game. Your formation can completely change. Um, uh, it, it just makes, it makes it so much more complex. I, I like it. Um, I think it has an interesting, maybe we were talking about this before, but like, how does this impact, you know, the amount of minutes a person may play? I think we were messing around with the idea of like Kevin De Bruyne, for example. If they had five subs, were always allowed. And I guess the other thing we're talking about was the regularity of games. Um, so if they were, which could happen, does happen with all of their domestic league play, as well as um, European stuff. Um, but if they were playing, you know, like three games a week, 
or two to three games a week for, you know, seven weeks straight and you're allowed five subs, um, you know, maybe De Bruyne, for example, on a city team that, you know, is very variable, he might have less time. He might play for, you know, just 60 minutes on average um, instead of, you know, pulling out 90 minutes and stuff because they're able to put in a whole wholesale swap um, uh, and, and just rest him a little bit more. Um, I think I think it had some interesting effects. I guess is my my end point on on stats. I feel like I don't know what that looks like, but I have a hypothesis that I haven't even formulated yet. But I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think right the the five subs obviously makes sense given the just the quantity of games and and even the heat at this time of year um, all over the really all over the world. So uh, right, it makes sense. And I agree with everything you said, Jones. It's totally changing, um, you know, playing time. It's a changing. It's changing how right the strategies that teams go into it, and even right, um, and even you know, if one team subs in a bunch of guys, and the other team will will act uh, potentially accordingly to counter uh, a bunch of subs coming in. So right, it's kind of this tick tick tit for tat that uh, you could you could see playing out um, with the extra subs places even more importance on both managerial strategy, mm-hmm. which you just alluded to, and the depth of teams. And so the bigger, bigger teams that are willing to spend more, that have have the ability to spend more money, especially in the Premier League, where there's even more of a stark difference than in the MLS, but also in the MLS, those teams that there's been talks about for real implementing the five-sub rule moving forward and you know use, just using that in future future seasons and making that a mainstay. And so those two things would be even more in the mix, just having a, a smart manager that can pull the tactical strings in the right way with more subs to do so and to respond to other teams' subs later on in games. And then also just having those players that you'd actually want to bring in off the bench. Right. Yeah. Hey, quick quick little caveat here related to subs. Do you guys know in the MLS, is it do you only get three opportunities to sub? Um, do you know? Because it, what I learned after watching an EPL game I think it was Burnley Norwich. The commentators kept saying, they kept harping on this manager saying, oh, he's already made three subs, but he used up, you know, he already used up his three opportunities to sub anymore. So now he just has, he wasted, he could have put in two more guys, but he only put in three because they only have three. I think they they don't want a lot of stoppage of play. And so they're only allowing three stops to sub. Yeah, that's a good call. It's the same, same thing in the MLS, same deal. Okay. There've been back to back to just what we've seen result wise as well. A couple of the big names heading into the tournament: Atlanta United, Seattle, LA Galaxy. Those are kind of the bigger teams that I'm that I want to reference here. But those three teams, especially that were kind of heavyweights heading into the tournament, have struggled and are at the bottom or right next to the bottom of each of their respective groups: groups D, E, and F. And I don't know whether it's just the fact that it's a, a group stage of a tournament, so it's three games and anything can happen in three games, or the fact that playing time and certain players being out and other external factors, less time to train, being in this bubble, weird constraints, whether either of those has more of an effect or just combined that leads to a lot more unpredictability, definitely makes for more even and level playing fields. It's just interesting to see so far some of these bigger names that we're, we're pretty odds on favorites in the beginning have struggled a bit. There's a, I'd want to look at like, um, you know, uh, teams that have won the league 
um, over the past decade, how do they normally fare in the first few games of their season? You mm-hmm. know, are, 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 do heavyweights always start out um, rocking and rolling? Because I, I imagine, you know, yes, Atlanta United falling bottom of their group. Like Atlanta United, like being lower than FC Cincinnati, for example, just doesn't hit the ear right. And I imagine, uh, you know, it's to an extent, you know, just just early early game, you know, fixes that that need need to change. Um, and unfortunately, you aren't given the luxury of um, time uh, to over a season to make the right adjustments to get the perfect formula for your heavyweight team as they should as they should be that said like everyone has technically had the same amount of preparation time so there's no real quote you know excuse that any club should should rely on um they're also they're missing joseph martinez who's kind of their big name striker and they won the first two games of the season in march so right when the season actually started they were two and oh so it, it probably does have a lot to do with just the actual players you have on the on the roster and some teams rosters have been shaken up for the tournament yep yep um that said you know if you're missing one guy and your team's really struggling that hard is your team that good hot take or is he that good hotter take (laughs) it's true last piece to touch on is chris speaking to the the voice and authority and bringing up of important topics that the MLS is, and especially its players have done uh, cohesively. And as a unit, there's um, a lot of momentum that comes with any of these type of movements and um, or moments in history, um, especially in, in regards to social change and upheaval. Um, and to an extent, it feels like the focus on black lives matter um, has has t- fallen off a little bit. And that's only because where it was was so astronomically large and present in all of our lives um, a few weeks ago, a month ago almost. It's, some, it's been a while, I guess. Um, it's, it's encouraging to see that these leagues are, whether saving face or a genuine attempt to make some some make amplify use the voices that they have to make a a change a dent in the world um for better uh it's it's it really is encouraging it's powerful to see it over and over again um uh to to make it no longer a marginalized afterthought on the side of a hashtag that might be worn on someone's cleat but rather it is center stage it is you cannot ignore it it is uh, the biggest advertisement, you know, possible. Um, that's, that's committing to something greater than funds. It's, it's, you know, people, your humanity. Well said, well said, we're going to try and stay tuned in with a lot of the players and, and keep sharing their thoughts on our, on our Instagram as they come and, and stay tuned into their mindsets and what the real experience is for them, which is pretty cool. And, and we've been fortunate to, get a little bit of that opportunity so far. So check it out if you haven't on Instagram. Going to head to our last segment. Jones is going to take us through over-under, and it's been a minute, but hopefully Icy and me are up to the task today. Welcome back to everybody's favorite game, over-under. Uh, it's been a minute, so I figured I would bring us um, something a little easy. Um, help, help warm you up into this game. 
uh, I've been itching for some tacos and I need some help understanding whether some taco fixings um, are overrated, rated, or mm. underrated. Um, I'm going to start with you, Mr. Eli. Can you confirm whether or not onions are overrated, rated, or underrated? Onions are overrated. I basically never put them in tacos. Just there's no other back. That's just it. That's it. <laughs> okay. No backstory to it. All right. I no horrible that. lived experience. Just don't put them in tacos. Uh, winter. Uh, can you confirm whether queso is overrated, rated, or underrated? I, I would say queso is overrated. Why use queso? And you can just put little shredded cheese on top. Or even or shredded cheese on the tortilla that you've melted on the tortilla. I think it's overrated. Ooh. Queso is overrated. Wow. Man, you guys are coming in hot. Eli, can you confirm whether beans are rated, rated, underrated, or overrated? Yeah, beans are overrated. All, I think I <laughs> the problem is I just put basically nothing on my tacos. <laughs> I'm going to say beans are also overrated, though. I just never put them on tacos. Again, no backstory. I just never have beans or onions on my tacos. I'm sorry. All right, I, I apologize. See. Help us, help us here. Can you confirm whether or not salsa is also <laughs> overrated when putting that on a taco? Look, salsa is so ubiquitous in the taco world. It's overrated. Let's. Oh my god. Wow. Let's just. It's you know what it's come down to. Instead of salsa, skip all the fan, you know all this beating around the bush. If you want spice, just put hot sauce on it. Salsa, right. it can wait. Okay. Um, Eli, can you confirm whether lettuce on a taco is overrated or underrated? Lettuce is rated because I do put lettuce on a taco. Okay, exciting. It's the first thing we've said so far that I put on aside from salsa. Yep. I don't use hot sauce. I think lettuce is rated because it does add a nice crunch and it makes it feel healthy. And it's an easy one to just rip up and add, whereas some other stuff you actually have to cook. So lettuce is rated on a taco. Love that. Icy, can you confirm whether corn is overrated, rated, or rated? Corn. Overrated. I can't say that I put it on any of my tacos. Um, yeah, just not, uh, you know, you a little sweet from the corn. It's nice to have. Oh, yeah, for sure. But overrated. I should, I should probably clarify. I've never had a taco in my life. So that's why... Uh, I think yeah, I, I think our tacos are just the shell. So I hope you have the shell as one of these. That's generally <laughs> how I like them. Uh, Eli, we're coming on our last two here. Eli, this one this one might be overrated. We'll find out. Uh, avocado. Honestly. Avocado is underrated. There we go. I'll go. There we go. Okay. Hey, there we go. I'll go underrated for avocado because love avocado separately. It does add a nice kind of moistness, light flavor, but more just kind of texture to the taco, I think, that you miss otherwise with just the meat or lettuce or salsa. Um, gooey is not the right word. I'll just stick with texture, whatever that means to you. That's why avocados are underrated on a taco. It means gooey to me. So, uh, Icy, can you confirm whether sour cream is over, under, or rated? Yeah, you know, sour cream is, I'm going over, I'm, you know, all overrated today. Uh, sour cream is overrated. It's good, it's nice, but. You know, it's a good substitute. A little bit, of, a little bit of yogurt. Uh, that a little tang, a little what? zip to it. I'm telling do you, do you. Do you eat tacos? Do you often I'm eat tacos? Telling, wait, are we talking tacos or are we talking about just you know cereal? 
Are we talking like a, like a morning breakfast? Uh, oh my! Breakfast, God. yeah, breakfast taco. Yeah, breakfast taco, one and the same. Oh, exactly, breakfast taco. You throw some yogurt on there. Mmm, it's good, boys. You look a lot of overrateds today. A lot of overrateds. I feel bad because Max is obviously craving a taco, but it sounds like the taco we're giving him at this point is avocado taco and then maybe i guess yogurt substitute and hot sauce substitute so i don't don't know how that sounds that combo sounds to you icy as the the full taco or what else you'd add but that i feel like that's what max has to eat now what am i missing guys what 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 happened here so is this on the recording or off the recording this is (laughs) this is off the record tell us the the, tell us the real taco well eli i thought we were uh non-verbally communicating that everything was going to be overrated this game (laughs) i thought that's where this was going and i stuck with it but you obviously veered off course so i think it was uh eli i think you ruined a funny funny bit (laughs) i'm just kidding no i think i think we were i think that's where that's where i wanted it to go i was overrating everything i think it was all over as, as i put the list together too i was like you know what i don't think i want any like i would take lettuce and salsa I even deleted my list. I was so ashamed of it. And um, be- beans and rice. I I maybe put those in, but like not really. Like if you're wearing proper taco, it's that whatever the filling is. Maybe a little lettuce, a little cilantro, a little onion. Uh, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to turn it into a burrito. Yeah, it sounds like quite the contentious topic, Jones, but also one that we can think about more mm-hmm. because we haven't made up our minds. And it sounds like we might want to experiment with our future topics. Our future taco topics, tacos, our future tacos. If you don't think I'm bringing future tacos, tacos. I'm bringing tacos back. All right. Tacos are going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to make it better, bigger, better, and, uh, more underrated ever. And with more sour cream. We got Max Timberlake. (laughs) That's sour cream. You made it this far. Thank you as always for listening. We really appreciate you. Check out the Instagram. We got some cool stuff coming out. And we'll have some more cool interviews coming out in the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned. See you later. See you next week. I always will distinctly remember that boy eating toothpaste in one of the movies. And I was like, what the hell? (laughs) I was like eight. You can eat toothpaste.